Welcome to Beth and Jordan Rewatch. I'm Jordan, and I'm a nerd. And I'm Beth, and I am also a nerd. For our show, we will rewatch TV shows and movies that Beth and I have enjoyed and try to look at them with a fresh perspective. For this season, we will be rewatching Avatar The Last Airbender for the third time for me and for the three millionth time for Jordan. The show has just been released to Netflix here in the US, giving us the opportunity to rewatch it together. So let's start with episodes 15 and 16. As usual, we start with our episode recaps, where Beth and I try to, in the course of less than a minute, give you a recap of the episodes that we'll be talking about in these episodes. So, Beth, you and I have decided uh, before we went live that you would do episode 15, Bato of the Water Tribe. Um, I've got my eye on the timer. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So I'll give you a countdown here in three, two, one. All right, so Aang, Sokka, and Katara are hanging out when they find some Water Tribe weapons. They run into Bato of the Water Tribe, who was injured and left behind. Um, he's one of their dad's friends. He takes them back to where he was staying with, at a monastery that makes perfume, and they were kind of going over old times and things, and like, hey, you could probably meet up with your dad. Aang gets angry and storms off and runs into a messenger who's like, hey, I've got the map right here, and Aang decides to hide it. Meanwhile, uh, Zuko and Iroh run into June, who is a bounty hunter, and they enlist her help using Katara's necklace to try to find the Avatar. Uh, or Sokka and Katara, and the, or Sokka does his ice running mission thing to try to become a man, and they're like, oh, Aang, we trust you. And he's like, oh, you shouldn't, because I've been lying to you. They get angry and split up. Zuko finds them, a fight ensues, and everybody sort of escapes and goes their merry way. Nice. Dang, that was 50 seconds. Oh. I was I was like, <laughs> I was like waiting for it to kind of like, like, I mean, you, you ended it correctly. It was just like, I was just like waiting. I was like waiting for more. I was like, oh, it's done. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That was 50 I, seconds. I honestly don't remember. Like I probably could have added in more details later, but I'm like a fight ensues. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fight. Things happen. Yep. It's a cool fight, okay. but not a recap. Yeah. Fight, so. There you go. Oh, well, I'm sure we'll talk some of Yeah, but we'll see. We'll see how much we talk about it later. Yep. Okay, and then I had episode 16, The Deserter. And so, Beth, I am ready. You go ahead and give me the countdown whenever you are ready. All right. Three, two, one, go. All right, the gang comes upon a Fire Nation village uh, where they see that a festival will be going on. So Aang's like, hey, let's see if we can learn some firebending, even though they're wanted people. They go to the festival, and of course, things don't go well. Uh, some mysterious stranger uh, manages to help them escape from the festival where they meet Zhang Zhang, a, fire a firebender who served in the military but defected because he didn't believe in the Fire Nation anymore. Zhang Zhang at first won't help Aang learn firebending, but then eventually changes his mind after a vision from Avatar Roku. Aang is impatient to learn, and Zhang Zhang is very simplistic in his view of firebending. Um, after some impatience, Aang accidentally burns Katara in a firebending accident. Meanwhile, Zhao um, discovers the group, and it is revealed that Zhao was Zhang Zhang's... Uh, originally, Zhang Zhang was his teacher. Uh, he is reckless, just as Aang has proven to be reckless. Zhao and Aang have a fight where Zhang Zhang manages to, manages to disappear. Zhao, through his recklessness, burns down the boats, and eventually Aang and the gang are able to flee away. 58 seconds. Yeah! <laughs> We're getting so good at this. We're we'll have to. At this point, what's up? I said we're professionals at this point. Right. I was just thinking, like, if we manage to do like another of this next week, we'll have to like find new ways to challenge ourselves. Oh, like, dear. <laughs> <laughs> like having to do it in reverse. Or so. I, I'm not oh, really goodness. that, but like, 
I don't know. We'll have to find something, some new way to challenge us. And now let's begin the part of the show where we actually dive into the episodes and what we took away from them in our analysis portion. And so starting, of course, with episode 15, Bato of the Water Tribe, Beth, as usual, tell me what stuck out to you. I just wanted as- to strangle what? Aang this episode. <laughs> oh, Aang. Yeah, go explain. We'll yeah. go into that a little bit more. So he, I understand that he's upset that he's being ignored and that Katara and Sokka are excited about the potential of seeing their father who they haven't seen in two years. But he just gets so like petulant about it and then hiding mm. the hiding the information from them just because he's like, I don't want them to leave me, basically. I'm like, Aang, dude, like if you'd stuck around and not like sulked off, you'd have heard them say, Now nah, we've got a mission, we probably can't stick around and everything would have been fine, but uh. <laughs> Yeah. No, for sure, Aang acts in a very frustrating way. And and something you and I talked about or we messaged each other beforehand is a theme we'll see across these episodes is these episodes is Aang acting in frustrating ways. Um, but yeah, I totally agree. Aang, I wrote down in one of my notes, Aang still definitely makes childish decisions. Mm-hmm. And like, it is a little disappointing. We are, you know, we're 15 episodes in. We are like getting really close to the end of the first season. Like you would think by now that Aang should be able to trust his friends you and think. to know like, right. <laughs> and even if, you know, even if they did, like, go and see, um, I was going to try to pull out the name of Sokka and Katara's dad, but it's Hakoda, thank you. Yeah, even if they were going to go see Hakoda, like, surely you've got to, like, you've got to know that it'll be a temporary speed bump um, on the way to the North Pole. And on top of that, how many other speed bumps have there been along the way Aang instigated, I would like to point uh. out. I know if you can take time to try to ride the Unagi, you can take time to see Sokka and Katara's father. <laughs> right. So, yeah, a little bit of perspective, Aang, but I don't know. And and maybe it's the fact that we have to remember that he is still he is still mentally twelve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially speaking from the perspective of boys, uh, <laughs> twelve and thirteen, and that age. It's not exactly a good age of develop, of having trust already built into you. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. Not to say I'm so happy about how his actions were, and he definitely acts like an idiot. But, but for as yeah. much as Aang, like, he's kind of the focus of the episode here, I feel like a lot of the episode really focuses on Sokka, too, which is really yes. cool. Yeah. I would completely agree with that. Like, I have so many notes written down about Sokka. <laughs> You know, it's it's so interesting. To Sokka, it is so important to become a man. And mm-hmm. like, you know, cult you know, culturally there's so many different ways for what that means. And it's you know, it's a good topic for discussion for how does each society, you know, like come up with this idea of manhood and is it healthy and all this sort of stuff. But I think but there there can be no doubt that for Sokka to be to be a man and like in his cultural context is just so important for him mm-hmm. and just really defines it just like what he wants in life and what he ha- like a night it's a big identity thing for him 
Absolutely. And we've been seeing that since the first episode. Episode one, he's trying to rally the the little toddler troops to fight off the Fire Nation. He's putting on war paint and standing up to Zuko. Later on, he's doing everything he can to be a leader and uh, try to guide the group in the right direction. And here, it's just cool because he's getting to do that cultural rite of passage thing. So now... As yeah. far as the tribe is concerned, he actually is a man where he's, whereas we've seen him act like one the entire time. Right. And I, you know, there is, gosh, talking about this does kind of give me chills. Uh, just because, yeah, as I will say, I'm sure for the like 15th episode in a row or whatever, we haven't even done 15 episodes, but whatever, like Sokka is definitely like to me the most relatable character. And so he's the one I most root for. And so to see him get this rite of passage, somebody who is comic relief, who gets kind of beat up a lot, but to get something he truly deserves and has earned, you know, Mm -hmm. this, this, this mark of leadership, like this whole, he is, he is now a man, like you said, by water tribe cultural standards, he is a man. He has achieved what is definitely one of the most important things in his life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think to, to go off of what you said, like how much this episode focuses on Sokka, I really have come to appreciate in this episode how much Sokka is. We, we've talked about before how like there's no one leader, like at different times, Aang and Katara, um, Sokka, and then eventually like Toph when she becomes a member of the group, um, you know, they can lead at different points. But I don't know. I really like when I watched this episode, I was like that. I, I kind of want to revise my statement now. I think Sokka is is the leader, more or less. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe not in that he makes every decision. It's it's I don't know. You might have to help me out here because like it's not it's not leader as in like he is the boss and he, he makes all the decisions. He's the plan guy, and right. he's the like he he knows he knows very well sort of everybody's individual talents. And is yes. able to, like, that's that's the one thing on the ice dodging scene towards the end when he's like, Aang, like, give me air in the sails. Katara, bend water. Like, he's right. resourceful and he's able to come up with good plans that work using the resources that he has. Yes. Um, even though he's not necessarily, I mean, we've seen him kind of boss people around, which, I mean, it, it's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, and, that, and, that, and that's with, like, mixed results. Exactly. But he when it comes down to it, he knows how to be a leader and he had to basically learn that all on his own or by watching mm-hmm. the like men of the tribe or whatever. And it's, it's just cool to kind of see that all starting to come through to fruition. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so I, and so I'm so happy for Sokka in this episode. Um, despite the fact that in the actual like major fight scene, he's kind of, well, but I, I say that, but then the again, perfume idea. Or, or we did, know, again, that's, no, that is this episode. I'm getting them mixed up in my yeah. brain now. <laughs> no, he did come up with the perfume idea. So I was about to say he was relatively cast aside, but then I thought about it. I was like, no, actually, he could, yeah, he came up with the perfume idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and, and I completely agree. Like, everything you just said about him is exactly what I wrote down, how he sees his teammates' assets, and he, yeah, he he can put whatever, and we've seen this between him and Katara, like, they feud like brother and sister, but they can mm-hmm. put that aside for the good of the group. Um, and so, yeah, it's just so awesome to see him. Um, yeah, to see him really become a good leader and show his ability to to be resourceful and to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Um, 
one other thing I just kind of wanted to point out. Um, I didn't know if you had anything else to say, but I just, one thing I kind of thought about when I was going through this episode is one thing that Aang definitely doesn't understand yet. Um, and maybe he's learned through this episode, although it's never explicitly stated, uh, is definitely that trust is a two-way street. Mm. Like, you know, the big focus of this episode is how Aang is not being trustworthy. Um, you know, which is fine. Like, you know, that's, you know, part of his development. He needs to make sure he's a trustworthy person. But part of being a trustworthy person is you have to be able to trust your friends. And Sokka and Katara have not given us anything to not trust them. Mm -hmm. They screw up because they're human beings, but they're still trustworthy people. And so, like, that was one thing for me that kind of stuck out when we saw this whole episode. What Aang doesn't understand yet is, yes, he needs to be trustworthy, but he has to be able to trust his friends. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's, and so trust is a two-way street. Yes, you've got to be there and be able to be trusted. But part of that is you have to be willing to trust your friends and trust that they have good judgment. Absolutely. And I guess part of what I read into it as well was he, I guess the part that kind of stuck out to me was when they were all in the, in the tent and he was being like ignored, I guess, for the most part. And he was sulking about it. (laughs) Like, yes, he was nuts. The most is he's like not the center of attention for the first time since Sokka and Katara went on this little trip with him. And he starts just like pouting, like, Ugh. yeah. I, I, no, I completely agree. That's uh, that was frustrating. Yeah, and I mean, we see that he'll eventually like learn, but we've like we, I guess we've seen this part of his character in the past too, with like, oh, I'm the Avatar, and oh, all the girls in Kyoshi are into me. This is neat, but like, I guess this is just the episode where it came to to a head the most, and it just oh, yeah. drove me nuts. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Um. My only other comments, do you have any more? Do you have any more on just kind of like the central themes of the episode? Otherwise, I have some side comments, but I don't want to dilute. I have a side dilute. comment, but I don't have a central theme comment, so. Okay. My side comment is, so te- so technically, Iroh and Zuko were in this episode, too. Um, yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> technically. Technically. Um, I put I put horny Iroh is blue. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Although like I do love the line with when they run into the fortune teller and she's like, oh, do you want me to tell you you're fortune handsome? And he's like, yeah. at my age, there's only one major surprise left. Like, I love and that. I'd rather line. keep that a mystery. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I, I do agree. I did like that line. But that but, that's a joke. Yeah, that's a joke where I was like, okay, in 2004, that was probably like, you know, that was probably fine. But in 2020, that joke is kind of like, hmm. Yeah, just the like him being really into June, just. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, kind of like, like not that, yeah, like kind of copying a feel, like. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like at the Ugh. very end there, it's like, it's like oh, that's not creepy at all. Ugh. So. I hope I, I won't have. I hope I won't have to like destroy our PG rating as a podcast because I just said that. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> In a, yeah. So that was that was one thing I saw and was just like, ugh. Okay. It just uh-huh. it just had it. It couldn't be left unsaid. Yeah, that's fair. What What did you notice? What was your other thing? Um, this is more of a. I get to finally turn the tables on you. Did you recognize any voice actors in this one? Uh... <laughs> I probably should have, but I didn't. What? Who should have I recognized? Uh, the voice of June is Jennifer Hale. 
Um, she voiced the female version version of Shepard in Mass Effect. She's Ayla Secura in Star Wars Clone Wars, and she's Ash in Overwatch, which I know you don't play Overwatch, but yep, I was gonna say like. I mean, except for, like, honestly, none of, none of those characters sounded familiar. Like, I've watched Clone Wars, but none mm-hmm. of those characters you said sounded familiar. But, uh, but... It was the blue Twi'lek. Oh, okay. I do know who you're talking about then. Yeah. Okay. There you go. I got the tables <laughs> turned on me on that. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, unless you have anything else we want to talk about for episode 15, I'm very happy to move on to episode 16. I'm ready for episode 16. All right, episode 16, The Deserter. Uh, and so, yeah, I have a big I have a big rant on Zhang Zhang. A uh, rant on but, Like, I don't know if it's a rant. I don't know, it's, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what to call it. I have a, I have a thought about him that I hadn't thought before until I watched this, watched Ooh. it this time. Well, why don't you start with that? Because I want to talk about Zhang Zhang too. Okay. Now I'm really worried how this will how this will turn <laughs> the conversation. Okay, so I, you know, obviously there's a lot of good Zhang Zhang. He, you know, realize he's our first Firebender who, at least outrightly, like Iroh's hinted at it, but Zhang Zhang is the first one to outright say it. Realizes the negatives of the Fire Nation mm-hmm. and the negatives of the element of fire. So he's got that going for him. Like that's a big positive. Um. What I see in Zhang Zhang is somebody who is remorseful of what he's done, but has become over, but has oversimplified his remorse. What, what I think bothers me about Zhang Zhang is his view on fire and his, compared to the other elements. Um, in that, so like when the, where it comes out is where Katara, like when, after she's burned from Aang's silly. Uh, impatience she has healing we find out she has healing abilities with her water bending um and jong jong comes up to her and says basically how he wishes he had healing abilities but fire bending will never let him do that um all, all it is is destruction um and he has he's like i have to walk this tightrope between humanity and like it, it's i'm paraphrasing because i can't quite remember it but it's like between humanity and total destruction or something mm-hmm. like that um and i when i watched it this time i don't like that i i, I get where he's coming from but i think he's wrong because i think he has a perspective again just he's so filled with regret and remorse that i think he has oversimplified things and all he sees for fires, he just sees destruction. And when he sees the other elements, it's almost like it's overcompensating, and all he sees is the endearing parts of them. And that's just not real. Because we know, especially as we continue on through the rest of this series, we know the evils that can come with waterbending. Uh, if you watch Legend of Korra, there are evils that can happen with airbending as well. Mm-hmm. Um we know, and I mean, earthbending, it's kind of obvious how that can be both a positive and a negative. There's no clear, like, but like, so I feel like, I, like one thing that my rant on Zhang Zhang is, he has good points, but this is a person who needs a more well-rounded understanding of, of the talents he possesses in the elements that in and of themselves, they're not inherently evil. And like, just because you're a firebender doesn't mean you, 
like, yes, you do have a hard responsibility because fire can be destructive, but fire is also like they describe it as breath and warmth and life. Like fire is needed. And so I get frustrated with Zhang Zhang because he only sees the negative in his own element and he doesn't seem to see it's positive. Yeah. I can kind of see where you're coming from with that. But at the same time for me, it's, it seems like it's less, I mean, there is regret and remorse there, but it also seems like, well, what, I guess what we know of firebending later on is that the breath and warmth and light part of it isn't something that most firebenders either acknowledge or even know about. A lot of it is like the fire nation has only been using this for destruction for the, probably the entirety of Zhang Zhang's lifetime. They've been Mm. the force of destruction and wreaking havoc on the world and throwing things out of that balance. I feel like it's a less it's the reason he has the approach to fire as an element that he does is because of a lot of self-loathing. He looks at the state of the world and he looks at Zhao, who he learned he trained and he goes, this is like, this is essentially my fault. This is my people's fault. We did this. Nothing good can come of fire. Only destruction. Look at what we've done. It's isn't this like the case kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I, yeah. I don't know. I just think he's, I, I think he's a really cool character. Um, I don't like, I, I don't agree obviously with his thoughts, but I think it, it makes sense to me why he thinks the way he does. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get, I get where you're coming from. And that definitely, yeah, I hadn't thought that, that part through. You're definitely right. Like his, his perspective on what it would, yeah. on what fire is or how it's been used, definitely color his perspective. Um, his, his perspective colors his perspective. The context <laughs> colors his perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And so, yeah. Yeah, I, I I hear what you're saying there. Yeah. yeah. And it also then, I guess, makes sense why he's so reluctant to train Aang. Because, I mean, number one, yeah, he wants him to learn all the elements because tradition and, oh, it's cool. And it's like, you got to learn control and things like that. But right. if the last person he trained was Admiral Zhao. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. No wonder he's such like a, a a stickler of a teacher when it comes to for that. Sure. Yeah, for sure. And like, and I can respect even the whole, like the Avatar must learn, like the Avatar cycle. Um, although, which is ignored when you get to Legend of Korra, but I have like I have lots of problems with Legend of Korra for the, just on that stuff. It's a good show otherwise. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can also respect the Avatar cycle and like, you know, the Avatar like the cycle goes. Uh oh, goes water, earth, fire, air. There you go. I was, I was I was switching around air and fire in my head, and I was like, "Wait, that's not right." Thank you. Yes, that's mm-hmm. right. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, I can totally, I can totally get his his thought process there, and and and, and I do also. Again, I I appreciate his co- his context of like it's important to understand the negative um, of fire so that you don't become reckless with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, so so maybe to segue into another thing, like one thing we see with Zhao as he appears in this episode um, is his weakness, of course, which is the lack of control, which I think ties into what we've talked about in the past because we've said pride is his downfall. Like that's mm-hmm. one thing you and I have talked about over and over again. Um, but I think I think this whole lack of control thing is just another aspect of that. Mm-hmm. Especially when uh, somebody's attacking his pride, like. Aang does when he <laughs> yeah 
I thought you'd be better than Zuko. <laughs> but wasn't that just a great little to and to be purposely punny? Wasn't that a great little burn? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, but also, I, I I'm not I'm not a dad. I can't. It's not a dad joke. But anyway, um, but also like when I when I heard that line this time, like I've heard that line before. But when I heard that this time, I was just like, "Zing! That's a good one." Got him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yep. uh, yeah, and it, and Aang is impatient. I will also. I don't know. I did feel like Aang did do stupid things. I did feel like they got thrown a little out of proportion. Like, um, like Sokka's whole like you burned my sister and mm-hmm. like, like chill, chill, Sokka. Like, <laughs> like yeah, that happened. But you're kind of acting like you did back in episode one. Mm-hmm. Chill a little bit. Yeah, and even like, I don't know. Yeah, and, and like even even the whole fact like oh I want to shoot fire no it's like you are irresponsible for wanting to shoot fire it's like okay sure which I um, think comes down again to J- J- like Zhang Zhang just hating him his own element in a lot of the ways yeah. like he's afraid of he's afraid of train I guess he's afraid of training Aang into becoming another Zhao is the way I was seeing that hmm. but he's definitely yeah. like. All right, squat and breathe. <laughs> That's what we're starting yeah. with. Yep. We well, I'll treat you with. I'll let you do fire the day after you have a temper tantrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like we see again, Aang's sort of impulsivity and recklessness and everything this episode. So it's understandable why Chong yeah. Chong would be like, "All right, we're keeping this. We're keeping this chill." We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we will have our ratings for the episodes for this week. So stick around. All right. And so for the end of our show, as usual, it's time for us to give ratings. Um, as a reminder, we do these out of five stars, but decimal points are allowed. And so, Beth, with episode 15, Bato of the Water Tribe, what rating did you give it? Um, Now I'm trying to remember what I gave the other ones. I think I'm going to give this one like a 3.5. Okay. And what's your reasoning? Um, I liked the expansion of sort of like lore of the Water Tribe. I loved the Sokka parts and how we got to see a little bit of his childhood and his ice running thing. Creepy Uncle Iroh and Aang being a jerkwad kind of brought it down for me. <laughs> nice censorship there. <laughs> I will I will agree, but I'll give it a 4.0. Um, to me, Sokka's whole aspect of it carries the story. Mm. And again, I'm very biased towards Sokka. So yeah, that's going to carry it for me to at least a four. But I completely agree with you. Like I remember I set a standard last time we did this where could you skip this episode then it should be below a four. And so I've broken that because I would argue you could, you could skip this episode, mm-hmm. um, but it's skippable. But I guess to me, there are some parts of it that are good enough to drag it uh, across the 4.0 line. As a Sokka stand, that makes sense. <laughs> yes. Yep, exactly. Okay. Episode 16, then the deserter. What'd you think? I gave this one a 3.7. Okay. I liked it a little bit better than Bato of the Water Tribe just because I thought the I, I thought 
I really like the character of Zhang Zhang, honestly. I just mm. thought he's, I think he's really cool. And um, I liked the, again, expansion of sort of Fire Nation culture. We I didn't touch on this at all, but we do get to see like the first bit of Fire Nation, like propaganda and things like that, which is mm. kind of neat. And I love the fight at the end with Zhao. So it put put it above Bottle of the Water, water Tribe for me, but just by a little bit. Gotcha. And I actually rated this one a little lower, but again, probably my socket bias is coming through again. Uh, but it's only a 3.9. Uh, because I'm being so inconsistent and I'm going back to my original standard of, of could is this a forgettable episode or could I ignore it and move on? Yes. But I do agree with you. Like like bringing in Zhang Zhang, somebody who, for the first time, we see, again, the nuance of somebody who's of the evil enemy nation, but who might be a good guy uh, or who is a good guy. Um, and yeah, the whole, I don't know, even the whole Zhao's teacher sort of thing and understanding the recklessness and all that stuff, like that's good. Um, I don't know. There was some weird, there were just some parts where it's just like this, like Sokka overreacting to Aang burning Katara, <laughs> some of Zhang Zhang's personality. I don't know. Like there was just some parts where it's just like, eh, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And so thus it dragged down through 3.9 for me. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Rewatch with Beth and Jordan, where we rewatch our favorite movies and shows and discuss our thoughts. You can find more episodes on anchor.fm slash BJ Rewatch or on Spotify at Beth and Jordan Rewatch. 